Well, greetings in Jesus' name to everyone this morning. It's been a blessing to be here and to receive of what the Lord has for us this morning. Many good things there in that uh, passage in 1 Peter, there in the opening message and in our memory work there. This morning for our message, I have, um, I'd like to speak on the Holy Spirit. I have entitled it, The Work of the Holy Spirit. Now this is a very large subject, and I will only be able to cover a small portion of it. But I would like to cover um, well, I have it written out as questions here. I have four questions for us to consider this morning. First of all, who is the Holy Spirit? And two, what is the work of the Holy Spirit, which we will look at in more detail? Third, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? And number four, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Now perhaps uh, one of the heart of my message is that last one there, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Because we know it's so important to walk in the Spirit. However, for us to know what it means to walk in the Spirit, we need to understand what the work of the Holy Spirit is and how he operates in us. And to do that, we need to understand who he is. And so these all tie together. But I think all of us um, understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. And what I'd like to do this morning is not to uh, have us intimidated, as it were, or feeling like we can't measure up. Because the power of the Spirit working in us is not just some uh, mystical thing. It is a reality, should be a reality, and it works itself out in practical ways. Uh, it doesn't mean that if you haven't performed a miracle this past week that you're not walking in the Spirit. That's not the primary work of the Holy Spirit, to just perform miracles. But it is a much more uh, basic and practical work in our life. The Holy Spirit does give gifts that are uh, given to us for the benefit of the church. But again, the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit are not necessarily the primary work of the Spirit, as it, as particularly as it relates to our own personal life. Now, it is important 
for the Spirit to be working through us to the benefit of the body. But first of all, we have the Holy Spirit within us to help us live right. So considering the first part here, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is sometimes referred to as the third person of the Trinity. The Trinity being the three persons spoken of, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The word Trinity is not found in that way in the scripture. We don't find that word. We use that word to mean the three that are one, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those three are so interconnected and related that it's difficult for us to separate them, and yet the scripture does speak of all three. They each have their proper function, and in some cases you can use the terms or the expressions interchangeably. Uh, in some cases you cannot really do so because they have their separate function. You may recall there in our Bible memory in the, in the upcoming verse, it talks about the Spirit of Christ which was in them. This is speaking of the prophets. The Spirit of Christ which was in them. But that's very interesting because Christ was not yet revealed in the Old Testament. They were looking forward to the promised one, uh, the Messiah, the, the Christ. They were looking for him. But here it says the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. But isn't it uh, Peter that later says that the Maybe that's in Timothy. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. See, the Holy Spirit was in them, moving them to write, but it was also the Spirit of Christ. And so we can see that when it's speaking of the exact same issue and the same function, they can be used interchangeably. So the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Christ, which was in them. Now, there are little differences of meaning there, but we see it parallels very clearly. Another parallel we can say in the, in the, in the New Testament age, as believers we have the Father dwelling within us. We have Christ dwelling within us. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We can speak of all three of them. In fact, as Jesus said, that um, in John 14, 23, he says, we, plural, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we will come unto him, that is the believer, and make our abode with him. So we can use those terms interchangeably, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when we're talking about God dwelling within us. It's not wrong to use either of those terms. However, in some other uh, cases, when you speak of their distinct 
function and office, there are some things that are not interchangeable. For example, the Scripture speaks about the Father sending the Holy Spirit. But we never read of the Holy Spirit sending the Father. See, there's, there's a difference of function there. And the Holy Spirit came forth from the Father. In fact, that is embodied some in the very term that's used for the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is one of the Trinity. And there are a number of ways that the Scripture refers to Him. He is called the Spirit of God. He is called the Holy Spirit. He is called the Holy Ghost. He's called the Spirit of Truth. And He's also called the Comforter. And there are a few other terms, but these could be used all interchangeably when we're speaking of the Holy Spirit. In the Hebrew, the word spirit, well, there's actually several Hebrew words, but when it's talking about the Spirit of God, it uses the, the Hebrew word ruach. The ruach, and it has the literal sense of breath or a, an, an exhaling. And we find it there in, in Genesis where it says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and Void, and then it says the Spirit of God, the Ruach of God, his, his breath was upon the face of the waters. It was like a, a brooding. There's, there's that sense of, or of, even of fluttering. The breath of God was hovering, fluttering over them, over the waters. Later, in the creation account, we have how God breathed into man the breath of life. And there he actually uses a different Hebrew word. And if you, uh, and just in a very brief look at the different, uh, more literal meanings of the word, that, uh, that breath there, breathed into man the breath of life, has, has more... I got the concept of kind of a puff, as it were, or just a little, um, it's not so much the, the exhaling of God, but, um, but again, those terms are very closely related, but they use a little different wording there. And when we think of this, the Holy Spirit as the breath of God, then we begin to understand a bit of, of how much it is part of God's nature, the Holy Spirit. He has, and then we have the words of that hymn, Breathe on me, breath of God. That's why those terms are used. It says the concept of the Holy Spirit is like the breath of God. Breathe on me, breath of God. So this Holy Spirit 
While it was in the Old Testament, it was not yet manifest as it is in the New Testament. He was sent forth from the Father. I'd like for us to turn in the Scriptures to John chapter 14, 15, and 16. These will be, some of these verses will be our primary texts for today. In John chapter 14, let's begin reading in verse 16 and read through verse 26. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And we'll stop there. Uh, For now, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So the Holy Spirit comes in the name of Christ, and here is one of the things he does. He shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now let's go over to... Uh, chapter 15, verse 26. It says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. So there, again, is further the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm moving on here into the second question, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? We looked there in 14, 
He, uh, in chapter 14, verse 26, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to re- your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So, that was one of the things the Holy Spirit would do is bring to their remembrance what Christ's words were. Here in chapter 15, verse 26, he says, He shall testify of me. So the Holy Spirit would be testifying of Christ. Okay, now let's look in chapter 16. And let's begin reading in verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Well, several statements in this, these few verses. Verse 14, He shall glorify me. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, is to glorify Christ. And it says, He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So he is showing to us the things of Christ. And there in verse 13, he makes another statement here He shall not speak of himself. He shall not speak of himself. Now that is significant in that when we read. In the epistles, I'm thinking of Romans chapter 8 where it talks about walking in the Spirit. Um, That they that walk in the Spirit are the sons of God. And it says that if we have not the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. It is so important to be let the Spirit of Christ dwell in you richly. And yet here in John it says, He shall not speak of Himself. Well, what's the significance? Well, just consider what is the primary work of the Holy Spirit. And I believe, as Jesus said here, the purpose for the Spirit to come, He would be a comforter, yes, but He would teach them the things of Christ. He would testify of Christ. He would glorify Christ. He would bring to their remembrance the things that Christ had taught them. And he would take the things of Christ and show it unto them. Everything was about Christ. That is what the work of the Spirit is. God is giving us the Spirit so that we might become like Christ. So... 
When we have the Spirit within us, we are filled with the Spirit of God. It is more appropriate for us to speak about Christ working in us. And to understand that it is the purpose of the Spirit to make us like Christ. He doesn't speak of himself. He speaks of Christ. He speaks of that work that Christ does in us. He is conforming us to the image of Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And he does not come about speaking of himself. Now... Let's consider how that is so often misused in Christian circles where the emphasis is on the Holy Spirit is doing this or the Holy Spirit is doing that or the Holy Spirit is, or, you know, have this seminar to come and learn how to be filled with the Spirit and and come to this seminar and learn uh, how how to receive the power of the Spirit and then they talk about the manifestations of the Spirit and, and miracles and, and wondrous works and all of those things when the emphasis should be on the believer being made like Christ because that is the work of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't speak of himself, he speaks of Christ. Now it is very true, of course, that when we have the Holy Spirit, we have a divine power within us. We have a supernatural power within us. And yes, there are even supernatural works that flow out of our life. But the primary work of the Spirit is to make us like Christ, to remind us of the things that he taught us, to help us to live like Christ lived. Jesus had the Spirit given without measure unto him, but we never read about him speaking in tongues. He had the Spirit without measure given unto him. And yet he didn't manifest as, well, Yes, he did. He he gave all the gifts of the Spirit. He gave it to the church. But there were some things that were much more prominent. For example, he did preaching. He did teaching. He also worked miracles. But we also note that he always did those things that pleased his Father. He walked in obedience to his Father. And he spoke of that often. He said, the things that the Father, that I see the Father do, that's what I do. The things that the Father has told me, that's what I speak to you. I can of my own self do nothing. And so when we are filled with the power of the Spirit, we also speak of Christ. We speak of him working in us. We speak of Christ giving us this power. Now, while it is the Holy Spirit, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to speak of the power of the Spirit in us, but the primary outflow should be that of Christ working in us.
and making us after his image. There are other things that the scripture speaks of that are the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, if we look here, back in chapter 16, a little earlier in the chapter, I'll read here in verse 7, 8, 9, and 10, and 11, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to the Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. So three things that the Holy Spirit does here. Reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And this word reprove has the idea of convince. The Spirit convinces the world of their sin. But you know what the primary way is that the Spirit reproves the world of sin? It's because the righteous who are among them, live their righteous lives and it reproves or convinces the world of sin. Remember Jesus said just prior to this, in verse 18 there of chapter 15, he says, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Now let's put that in context of the early church, the, the, uh, the apostles. On the day of Pentecost they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon them as it were the breath of God fell upon them. And what took place? Yes, they spoke in tongues. And the people said they must be filled with new wine. And Peter rose up and said, No, these men are full of the Holy Ghost. And he preached unto them Jesus in the power of the Spirit. He spoke to them of what they had done with Christ and what his call was to them. And it says they were, how does it say there? They were pricked in their hearts and they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And they said, Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that day there were 3,000 souls added to the church because Christ was preached under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And yes, in the early church there were signs and wonders that were done 
as a confirmation of the power of the Holy Spirit and of the work of Christ, but they testified of Christ. They spoke of him. They, they spoke of his resurrection and how he rose from the dead and spoke how he was the one that was promised from the Father and, and had been given to them and they had rejected him and crucified him and that they should repent. And I'm thinking of several different sermons there that Peter preached. When the apostles were called before the uh, Sanhedrin and were admonished and, and straightly instructed not to teach or preach anymore in the name of Christ, they said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We ought to obey God rather than men. And in one of those cases, it says that they observed that these were unlearned and ignorant men, but that they had been with Jesus. They didn't say, oh, these men have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. They said, these men have been with Jesus. And I believe that that should be one of the primary testimonies that come out of our lives. Not that men look on us and say, oh, she has been baptized with the Holy Ghost. But rather they should say, oh, she has been with Jesus. And I see the life of Jesus in her life. That's the kind of testimony that should come forth. So let's consider the next portion. How do we receive the Spirit? Well, the Scripture makes it clear that When we are born again, when that operation of God is performed in our heart, when we have passed from the old life to the new, when we have been born by the Spirit of God, born from above, and these are all terms the Scripture uses to refer to that transforming Time, that transforming event when we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and into the kingdom of his dear son. At that time, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there working and moving in us, and we are transformed from the old to the new. And part of that transforming is the Spirit of Christ now coming in and taking up residence in our heart. That is the initial receiving of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And just as several other passages, in Romans chapter 8 there, it makes the statement that if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And from that we gather that the Holy Spirit is given at the new birth. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit at the new birth, you haven't really been transformed into the likeness of Christ yet. You have not had that operation of God. Now, that doesn't mean that immediately you begin working miracles. 
because you received the Holy Spirit at the new birth. But remember, the work of the Holy Spirit is to make us like Christ. And that begins at the new birth. He makes us like Christ. Secondly, we also receive the Holy Spirit by asking. Jesus taught his disciples that if an earthly father being evil, and he was using that term by comparison, would know how to give good gifts to his son. You know, if his son asks him for a uh, for bread, will he give him a stone? No. If he asks for an egg, will he give him a, what was it, a scorpion? No. You know, a even an earthly father wouldn't do that, but he says, how much more shall the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now, how does that work? If we have the Holy Spirit when we're born again, why do we need to ask? Well, I believe that we need to be filled more and more by the Holy Spirit. We need to receive that power more and more as we go through life. There's not just a second infilling. There are multiple infillings where we receive more and more of the power and grace of God. Well, let's move on. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? And let's just turn to uh, that passage in Romans chapter 8 and read some of that there. Let's just begin at the, the beginning of the chapter there, Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his." I'll just note there in that one verse he talks about the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. They're used interchangeably there. 
Verse 10, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Now, there is a lot packed in these verses, more than we can possibly cover today. But it's very clear from this passage that God's Spirit within us should be the controlling um, factor in our life. We have God's Spirit to help us, to give us the power and the life to do what is pleasing to God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, I'd like to make a little, maybe, comparison or contrast here. Let's think of somebody who wants to... uh, wants to boast about being led by the Spirit of God in every little aspect or detail of their life. Now, I want to say this carefully because I do believe that God wants the Spirit to lead us. In other words, we want to be led by um, by the Spirit of Christ. But let me give you an illustration. I think I've perhaps used this before, but uh, something, it was way back in my early years, I remember a lady walked into the, our uh, place of business there, the greenhouse, and, and she walked in, and then she had scarcely gotten inside when she turned around and walked out. And as she walked out, she said, well, the Spirit told me I I should leave. Oh, wow, you know, isn't, isn't that spiritual? I mean, just out of the blue, you know, just, oh, the Spirit told me to do this, so I do this. Now, you've probably heard of accounts who maybe know of people who, who act like that and speak like that. They, they're like, you know, they're, they're going through life and, oh, Spirit told me I shouldn't go in this store and, 
and or the Spirit told me I should uh, do this or that. Well, is, is there anything wrong with that? Well, I see a little problem with that, and that is that it's putting the focus on me having some extra special connection with God that on the spur of the moment he can tell me what to do. Now, I'm not saying that God can't do that because I can, I could give you a handful of times when the Spirit has led me to do things like that that were a bit different from my ordinary way. And afterward, I could say, yes, I believe that was the Spirit of God showing me, prompting me, telling me, whatever. But at the moment, I simply walked in what seemed to be wisdom or what was appropriate or in some cases, a few times, it seemed a little out of the ordinary. But I would have been very hesitant to just announce right then Oh, this is God showing me what to do. Because I have also made mistakes, you know, and afterward it seemed like not the best thing to do. And am I going to say, well, that was the Spirit's fault. Spirit told me to do this, and it didn't work out well, so it's not my fault. You see, there is an element of walking by faith. And... I would suggest to us that it is important for us to walk by faith carefully, not boasting, not announcing to everyone that, yes, the Spirit of God is telling me I need to do this or I need to do that, but rather walking by faith and allowing God to show and prove what is true and what is not true. And what I mean by that is God is asking us to do what he has already commanded us to do and to walk in wisdom. Now, you see, when we go through life in our daily activities, we may, we may make choices. And I'm thinking here of choices that are good and right and they end up being what was good. But at the moment it seemed like, well, I just chose. I just did this or I just did that. It wasn't that I felt a strong impression at that moment of the Spirit of God working or moving my heart this way or that way. But I had asked for wisdom when I started my day and now God is giving me wisdom and And I make wise choices. I see somebody in need. I offer them help. Is that the Spirit of God? Well, yes. Didn't Jesus go about doing good? When he saw somebody in need, did he help them? Well, the answer is yes. So if I portray the character of Christ... I see somebody in need. I offer them help. We can look at that and say, well, yeah, that's just, that's just life. Well, 
But are we not operating under the direction of God? Has not our life been changed by the power and spirit of God? And does that now not work in a practical way in our life? And I say yes. Those practical ways that we live out the life of Christ is by the power of the Spirit working in us. Now, is it true that God gives us special strength, special revelation, special direction? And I say yes. Yes, God does that. But let's be careful to remember that God works primarily and through the common ways of life in that he is making us to be like Christ. I thought of this illustration. It may be a little bit crude and and not um, because it's an inanimate object. But let's think of a vehicle, a car. You've been given a car. This car has power. That's how we're making a comparison, okay? This car has power. It's, it's got something. But you would not boast of this. You might initially, when it's parked in your driveway, you would boast to others, I have a car. Wow. But is it not true that if that car would not move you in a practical way from point A to point B, you would ultimately be very unhappy and dissatisfied if it always just sat in your driveway. I own a car. It has power. Look at me. I have a nice car. The reality is a car is meant to move you from point A to point B. And if it doesn't do that, it's really not much value. Now, That is a bit of a crude illustration, but my point is the power of the Spirit is not given us to just glory in, to boast about, or to make us look good. It's supposed to have a practical working in our life, and that is conforming us to the image of Christ. That is both the work of the Spirit And it is how we walk in the Spirit. Thinking about the life of Jesus and how he was filled with the Spirit. And then think about his life. Do you think that The Spirit of God was working in him when he spent a night in prayer or maybe on an ordinary day when he'd rise up a great while before day and go out alone to pray. Was the Spirit working and moving in his life? And I say, yes, I think so. He was communicating with the Father. The Spirit was present there. 
when he performed a miracle of healing or some other miracle, was that the Spirit working? Yes, it was. But when he preached to the people, when he was preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom, that also was by the power of the Spirit. They were manifestations of the Spirit working in him. All of those things. And so, as we go through life, we need the power of the Spirit within us for all of these things. We need the power of the Spirit to pray, to teach us how to pray, to even persevere in prayer. We need the power of the Spirit to relate to our family, to have the kindness, to have gracious words come out of our mouth like they did out of Christ's mouth. We need the power of the Spirit to do all those things. We need the power of the Spirit to live above sin. We read it there in, in Romans chapter 8. That if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, to be able to put aside the flesh, or to, we use the term crucify the flesh, we, we put away the old man with his deeds. When those things are operating and, and being done in our life, that is by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is working in us. And he's making us like Christ. Now, if we were to, um, again, I'm, I'm making a little comparison here to just kind of put it in perspective in our mind. We don't, we don't boast about how mightily the Spirit was working in us uh, when we felt like um, like getting even with somebody or or giving a a sharp word or a, a harsh word, but if we recognize that we ought not to do that and the power of the spirit was there with us to to guard our tongue, we didn't say it we didn't we didn't respond unkindly to someone who mistreated us. We're not quick to turn around and say, wow, that was a mighty power of God in my life. Amen. You know, we, we don't boast so quickly about it. Now, if we manifested some... Um, gift of the Spirit, you know, operating in us. Well, that's what people tend to, to boast about. And they may quickly say, oh, the Spirit of God told me that I should make this decision. Well, understand, yes, the Spirit of God does work, does help us make decisions. But it's also true that the Spirit of God was mightily working in me when I stopped my tongue, when I did not retaliate, when I actually was able to show the mind and life of Christ to someone who mistreated me. 
That is the power of the Spirit. That's walking in the Spirit. And don't be intimidated by someone who seems to be boasting about great, marvelous revelations and, you know, directions from God. And, and, and then you look at that and say, oh, well, that person is really walking in the Spirit. And somehow I just, I just, it seems like I can never quite get there. No, just let God's Spirit be working daily in you to make you more like Jesus. That's his purpose, that's his mission, that's his work. He does not speak of himself. But what he sees or what he takes of Christ and shows it unto us. He glorifies Christ. It's magnified. Jesus even used the illustration of the wind when speaking of the Spirit there to Nicodemus. He said... The wind bloweth where it listeth, and you can't tell where it comes or where it's going. You hear the sound thereof, and you see its effect. And he said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. We're not looking, we, we don't visually see the power. We see its effect. And so it should be in our life. We should demonstrate the effect of the Spirit. And it's not just some glorious miracles or some mighty manifestation of, of a gift of the Spirit, but the ordinary working of the Spirit in us to make us like Christ. Moving us from where we were, taking the things uh, that we had once yielded to the flesh, we now yield to the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit. We do those things that are more and more like Christ. That is what it means to walk in the Spirit. Well, I think I'll close with that. Not a comprehensive study of the Holy Spirit, but I hope it was some practical truths that you could take with you to what it means to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit of God. May the Lord bless.